Mean Old Lion Media presents the history of being black. What up, though? It's the history of being black podcast. I am Jay Hall. Happy New Year to you. Me and the producer Ghost was just talking. It seemed like if you had vacation time or the moment itself, like it came and it went. It was here. I was kind of anticipating it a lot. And before I knew, it was boom and it was gone. And we are already in the second week of January. Now I'm a December baby, so I just I celebrated my birthday before the year ended. And here's a fun fact. My birthday is exactly two weeks before Christmas, and my mother's birthday is exactly two weeks after Christmas. So every year, my day, Christmas, and my mom's birthday falls on the same day every single year. It's weird, right? Can't explain it. But be that as it may, it's here. So I'm hoping everything is going well with you. I started to go over exactly when Ken, the other producer, the mega producer, the guy, the man behind the mic, when he asked me about going today, going solo. And I was trying to think like, well, you know, we got guests lined up. Me going solo starting out 2023 would be kind of perfect, you know, kind of reintroducing myself to everything. And I wanted to tell you about a time back when I was 19, and it was my first trip to the projects. I like to call this Once Upon a Time in the Projects. Shout out to Ice Cube. You ready? Let's kick it there. Now, I just want to let you know, some of the names and places have been changed to protect the innocent or those who are just ducking child support payments. Okay? Yeah. All right. So one day back in the summer when I was 19 in Detroit, one of my friends, his name is DL, he hit me up and he was like, yo, what you got going on? I said nothing because I didn't have anything going on. I was pretty much like Tommy from Martin. I didn't really have a job at that moment. Not at that moment. He was like, yo, come take a ride with me to Ohio. Now, for those that don't know, Ohio sits right on the borderline at the bottom of Michigan and Detroit is south of Michigan. So it's about just a couple hours away. And the nearest town is Toledo. So I, was, I didn't have anything to do. All right, let's ride. He was like, yo, I got these girls. And there's one chick I've been messing with for a long time. And it could be one for you. That, that, let's go. That's what summers are for. I'm like, well, bro, I ain't really got no money. He like, man, we meeting them at the spot. I'm like, the spot? He like, the spot. Bet that. Let's go. So we get in the car. Like I told you, the ride is about two hours. And. I pass out for the majority of the ride. You know what? Let me fall back and tell the truth. I fell asleep for all of the ride. And the reason why I can tell you that is because when I woke up, I found that we were dead center in the middle of some good time buildings. I'm talking about the show Good Times from the 70s when you see the tall buildings. And all of a sudden, I'm looking up at them. I mean, dead in the middle of the Carter, New Jack City. I mean, you name it, smack middle of the Projects USA. And I'm like, Looking around, it's it's a little dark. The sun's starting to set up in that corner. And I could have sworn the sun looked at me like, huh, okay, nigga. <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking like, well, what's, what's going on? Like, yo, son, what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? He like, it's where the girl live. And we pull up and DL starts slowing down the car. And we park right behind these gentlemen. There's about five of them. Tank top, jeans, a couple of them in suits. And they were all surrounded with this car that had the hood up. And it's a dice game going on. So they rolling dice. And I don't know who winning or who losing. But all I heard is somebody say, quote, 
Nigga, you roll that loaded six one more time, and I'm going to fuck you up. I'm looking at D.L. like, yo, why are we here? Yo, what's going on, son? Because keep in mind, I come from the block. I come from a place where things are going down every single day. But to those who don't know, the project is a whole different world. It's like a whole other community in there. And most importantly, if you ain't from there, you shouldn't be there. And that is a universal rule. And if it's not universal to you, then trust me. How about that? DL give me the, it's okay, nigga. We, we, we gonna we gonna be, we be alright, nigga. Stop acting like a little bitch. You know, I'm like, I'm not acting like a little bitch. I was acting like a little bitch. I'm like, bro, I just trying to understand what's going on. He like, yo, just be easy. I'm like, okay, cool. We get out the car. I look to my right, and I on everything. Master Splinter was digging in the trash, and he gave me a what up though. Okay, that's how big the rats were. So then DL looking at me, giving me the sign like we going this way. So we walk. The gentleman who rolled in the dice, they continue to roll their dice. And then we go up to the door and DL, he knock at the door like he the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, the intro when Will is just like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And DL just a, da-da, knock-knock. And I'm like, yo, why you knocking so heavy? Like, this is your place. A woman yells out, who that? He like, it's me. She opens up the door. And she's wearing like a cutoff tank top. She's about golden brown. She got jean shorts and she's holding the baby. And she's holding the baby in one hand and she got a bottle of steel reserve in the other. That's malt liquor for those who do not know. And he like, what's going on? She like, so she opened up the screen door and she just walks back in or goes towards the living room, which I can see. And then DL opens up the screen door and I follow behind him. We walk inside, and the first room that we see is the kitchen. And DL is like, yo, where's she at? And the woman who's holding the baby turns around and is like, do I look like her sitter? And I'm like, and DL like, ah. and she's like, you just going to be rude? So DL was like, yo, this is my man, Will. And he said, Will, this is Brenda. She's like, how you doing? And then she just looked me up and down. And she had on these Janet Jackson Poetic Justice braids. And the baby looked like it was about some weeks old. Next thing I know, I hear, baby, baby. This girl runs down, coming downstairs, and she runs towards DL, and she just jumps up on him, and DL catches her, like in mid-hug, and she wraps her legs around him. She got on some jean shorts, but she got on like a black top. And her hair is kind of cut short, like Tony Braxton in the 90s. And then her and Dio just start making out all in front of everybody. They doing the sloppy kisses. I mean, it looked like a low-budget porn in front of all of them. It's disgusting. I actually turn around. I feel like I'm in a Walmart at the hours looking at they meet. It's just terrible. And they going at it. And then you can just hear the mama in the corner, Brenda, she like, ugh, ugh, ugh. She pulls out a cigarette. And she lights that boy and she just starts, you know, smoking it while she's still holding the baby, mind you. So I'm standing there with my hands in the pocket trying to figure this out. So the girl jumps down from DL's, you know, mid-lap. She got no shoes on. And she says, hi. And then DL say, yo, baby, this is my man, Will. Will, this is Tina. I'm like, okay, how you doing? She's like, I'm fine. She's like... What's the drive safe? And DL like, it was all right. It was all right. 
So he turns around and he just goes to the kitchen. He just starts opening up cabinets. And I'm just sitting there looking at DL like, yo, this is not your place. What is going on? He's mad comfortable. He's acting like Santa Claus in the hood. He like this. He like, yo, you ain't fixed nothing to eat. You know I was coming. She like, oh. And then she goes, she moves him out the way. She's like, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. And she starts grabbing pots out of nowhere, like pots off the ceiling and pots off the cabinet and everything, and just start turning switches on and on the oven and everything. You know how the gas oven be whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And she just starts cutting things on. So DL looks at me like, yeah, yeah. And so we kind of sit down on the couch. I'm sitting on the edge. And the reason why I'm sitting on the edge, because I see in the far left corner, there's some heavy D and the boys, roaches, and they all piling up, looking like they having a dance battle. So I don't know what she about to fix, but I'm straight. And I got my hands in my pocket, because I don't know if them creepy crawlers going to crawl on my leg or not. And I ain't trying to take no Ohio roaches back to Michigan. That's just not what I'm trying to do. So DL, he's sitting, and all of a sudden, this little baby comes around the corner, and he like, what's up, little D? And that little baby got like a little small fro, a tank top, and a diaper, and just chewing on the pacifier, like all teeth, just chewing on the pacifier, chewing on the pacifier, just a chewing. And he like, what's up, D? So he picks him up. He like, yo. He walks over to me like, it's my man, Will. He like, hey, yo, man, this little Dion right here, this little Dion, ain't that right, champ? Ain't that right, champ? Little Dion just sitting there just chewing on the pacifier. Chew, 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 chew. Deal then has a seat. And he got the baby sitting on his knee. Next thing you know, maybe about 15 minutes later, because we was just sitting there watching TV. I'm still mad stiff. Tina comes around the corner and she got some burgers and fries and whatever kind of thing that she whipped up on a paper plate. She hand me one. She hand one to DL. DL like, I'm going to take mine upstairs. So he puts the baby off his knee and he goes upstairs. He's like, yo, come up there. So she's like, <laughs> And then she goes behind him as he's holding her hand. And I'm just sitting there holding on a plate, a paper plate, where the grease is kind of coming through my hands. One of them thin paper plates that really ain't about nothing. I feel like I'm holding a napkin with wet burgers. So I set that down, and I'm chilling. Meanwhile, Brenda's still smoking a cigarette, looking at them going upstairs. And she got the burnt face on, just, hmm. Hmm. So she look at me, and she like, so what you do? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm kind of taking classes. And, you know, I'm kind of, so you ain't got no job. I'm like, not, not at the moment. You know, I don't. She's like, huh, another broke nigga. So she sit back and she chilled. And little Dion, he go over towards me and he hand me a controller. And it's a controller to a video game. So I guess a little homie want to play. It's looking like we're not about to leave no time soon. So I entertain it. And so I start playing the game with the little homie. Brenda, she's on the phone. And all of a sudden, maybe about 10 minutes later, I see that she passed out. Next thing you know, 10 minutes turns into 15, 15 turns into 30. And meanwhile, random people are just coming in and out the house. See, I don't know if you ever spent any time in the projects, and hopefully you haven't, but it's almost like a community, like I mentioned earlier. So a lot of times people just be having their doors open because they so cool with one another. Everybody's sharing walls. And so you got people coming out from the back going out to the front, and they just saying hi to Brenda. Brenda just giving them a head nod, and I'm just sitting there like, yo, who all lives in this home? I have no idea who lives in this home. And then all of a sudden, maybe about 35 minutes have passed, and I hear...
And with that knock, Brenda just gets up. She gets up, she fixes her shirt, and then she goes to the door. She opens it and she's like, hey. And it's a white boy that comes in who's about 6'4", and it's a black guy that comes in. He's about 5'9". And she's like, hey, what's going on, fellas? And they're like, hey, hey. So they're looking at me, and I'm just sitting there holding the controller. And then little Dion is looking at me, and we all just sitting there, everybody just looking at each other. The two gentlemen, they sit out, and they just plop. The white boy, he got on a black hoodie, black jeans, and black boots. Did I mention, forget to mention that it's summertime? So he's already kind of overdressed. The black dude on, he got on just some regular shorts and he got on a tank top. I don't know what it is about everybody wearing tank tops at this place, but everybody's wearing. Brenda is kind of like, what's going on, fellas? And she comes, she's sitting next there to me and she grabs Dion and she, little Dion and she puts him on her lap. And she's like, yeah, this is, this is um, Will. He with me. And they're like, oh, okay. And they seem kind of relaxed when she said that. And they're like, what's up, man? What's up, man? And they walk over and they dap me up a little bit and I dap them up. I put the controller down and I'm just sitting there. And then he like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the black one is like, how my little girl doing? Brenda like, oh, she fine. You know what I'm saying? She okay. She just, you know, sleeping. All she do is cry day long, cry all day long. And I'm like, is she talking about the baby that's sitting on the couch? And then the black one, he goes over and he starts like rubbing the baby's little belly and the baby starts whining. Wah, wah. He like, yeah, she's still crying. She's like, why? She's like, well, leave him alone. That's what Brenda's like. Leave her alone. She was minding her business until you mess with her. So then I noticed also, too, that Marshall Mathers is just staring at me. I mean, the white boy is just looking at me like I stole his cookies or something like that. And I don't know why. I definitely just still no hype from him because he is dwarfing me. So I have no idea why this individual is just looking at me the way he is. So we all just sitting there and he looking like, yeah, you so you from around here? And before I can open up my mouth for her, oh, like that, like that. And we all pause. Everybody stop. Oh, like that. Everybody looking around like, what's, what's, what's going on? She like, Brenda like, huh? you know, that TV upstairs. And then the white boy look at me like, there ain't no fucking TV. Yo, where she at, yo? And she like, well, you know, I ain't her babysitter. So I don't know what she be doing. And then he gets up. He like, yo, fuck that. And she like, F that. And they all had this big old argument. So for me in this moment, it don't take nothing for me to figure out that this is a bad mix. So I start easing my way towards the steps. As I started easing my way towards the steps, the only one who noticed me going up there was little Don. Dion, I'm sorry, little Dion. But he wasn't saying anything. He was just looking at me with his pacifier, like, like Maggie Simpson. So I go up the steps, and I'm like, yo, where the hell is DL? Because we need to get up out of here. I look to my right. The door is wide open. Him and Miss Tina didn't even bother to close the door. DL's on top of her. She's like calling his name and all this stuff. And I'm trying to call him. I'm like, Dion. I'm like, DL. D. Yo, D. And they just in it. Oh, ooh, ah, e, ah, ooh. I'm like, yo, D. Yo, D. 
So I take a shoe that I see on the floor and I grab it and I just throw it at him. He's like, ah, hit him right in the head. Like, nigga, what's wrong with you? I'm like, yo, we got to go. Some nigga downstairs, some white boy down there, and some black dude down there, they're down there arguing with old girl, and we got to go. And then he looks down at her and he's like, that nigga Donald here? And she's like, yeah. You know he come through. He's like, I thought you weren't messing with that white boy no more. And she's like, uh, and they're saying this as he's getting up. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Donald, 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 who, Donald, what's up with all these damn D's? She like, you know he wanna come through. He always wanna see Dion and everything. I keep telling him Dion not his. I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? Now, as they're sitting there and they're arguing, I failed to realize that there was no more arguing going on downstairs. Hence why I got pushed to the side. Boom. I look up. The white boy pushes me to the side and he goes directly at DL. Now, mind you, DL wasn't really finished putting his clothes on. So him and the white boy are tussling and DL got his cheeks all exposed into the world. I want to break it up, but at the same time, my man is naked. He doesn't like he's losing the fight, so it's, I don't really see no pressure. And I can tell that the black guy that came with the white boy felt the same way because I looked up and he was standing next to me looking like I ain't about to go in there either. So we're watching them tussle, and they're going back and forth. All I'm seeing is Dion's cheeks getting smeared all across the wall and him grabbing the guy, and they're going back and forth, and they're having a hugging contest. Meanwhile, Tina gets up, and she's like, y'all not going to do nothing. Break them up. And I can hear Brenda downstairs don't be fucking up my house again. Don't be fucking up my house again. The headache that is coming to me in this moment is indescribable. The pain is undeniable. And I'm wishing I can just go to sleep. Unfortunately, I can't. Okay? Unfortunately, I can't go to sleep because I can't believe what I'm seeing right now myself. And if you're having a problem believing what I'm telling you right now, it's because I'm having a problem even digesting what is before me. They going back and forth and they tussling, they tussling. They going back and forth and they tussling, and they finally like just stop because I guess they both just kind of run out of breath. And they look at each other, and then she's like, "Well, Brenda, that is. I'm sorry, Tina, that is. She's like, I keep telling you, I don't belong to you. Stop coming around. Now she then went and found a robe and she put it on and she's yelling, "Stop coming around!" And he's like, "I don't give up." That's my son. That's my boy. She's like, he ain't your boy. He ain't your boy. We went through this. The courts know it's not your boy. I don't give a fuck. I buy him stuff. That's my boy. And that's his daughter. I'm like, his daughter? I look at the black dude. He look at me with the hump shoulder. I'm like, yo, what is going on? Why are we here? Meanwhile, D.L. finally has his pants on and he's putting on his shirt and he's grabbing this alleged hoodie. I don't know where this hoodie came from, but he's grabbing it. And they look at each other and they like, yo, you got to get up out of here at the same time. And I'm sitting there looking at DL like, how in the hell does he got to get up out of here when we ain't even from this whole state? And the dude, of course, the white boy is like, I ain't got to go no damn where. So then they start tussling again. And this time they start tussling. I guess since DL is dressed, now the black guy want to jump in. So I grab him and I'm like, you, what you doing? All of us start getting in some sort of entanglement. And this is way before Will Smith. And we're grabbing, we're holding each other. There's really no punches being thrown. I think somebody hit me like in the back of my neck. And I can hear Tina screaming, y'all stop that, y'all stop that. Suddenly, as we all grabbing each other and we're tangled up, we all kind of fall down the steps. I look up and I get up. Me and the black guy, we locking each other. You can tell we really ain't got no animosity toward each other, but we both feel like we got to go in for what it is. I hear Brenda like, 
I told y'all, stop effing with my house. I told y'all. So she get up and she just starts going in the closet. She looking like she's searching for something. At that moment, all four of us look at each other like we know what that look is. We know that look of someone just fumbling behind something, looking for something. So we all look at each other like, yo, what the hell, yo? So me and DL, we just take off. Pew, we run past everybody. I run past little Dion and I go out the door. Next thing I know, my man DL, he jump across the car like the Dukes of Hazard himself and he tossed me the keys. I get in the car, I start the engine up. Boom, we up out of there. I'm pretty sure I hit the car that was in front of us, but that's a story for another time. We get up out of the projects and we finally on the road. I didn't say nothing to DL for about 13 minutes. I'm looking at the clock and music is just playing. I am heated at this moment, okay? There are plenty of things I could have did with my day of doing nothing versus coming down here. And finally, after 13 minutes, I look at him and I say, yo, son, yo, what was that? What is going on? Why were you messing with this girl? And so he pulls out a blunt, lights it, takes a smoke, and is like, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? I used to fuck with the mom. But I always thought Tina was was bad, but she was pregnant when I met her. So pretty much waited till she had the baby, got that sorted out, and I jumped on her. That's why the mom don't be liking me like that. So you mean to tell me you've been messing with the mom and you was messing, now you messing with the daughter? And all of this is supposed to be okay? You like, what? Nigga, you ain't had nothing better to do. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, you're right. And I just played a song whatever that was on the radio. You're probably saying to yourself, why is it that I tell that story? And I'll tell you why. Because the lesson that applies back then, it's the same lesson that applies now. And it's something I'm really understanding as I come to become older. And it's 2023. And most people are always on some new year, new me thing. I don't necessarily really believe in that, but a friend of mine, shout out to my friend Kay, tells me, The things that happened in the past, that's what they are. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't change it. There's nothing you can do about it. But there is a lot you can do about your future. And the one lesson that I always remember that my grandma told me, and I've heard it in businesses, I think the lady who run Facebook said it, but choosing the people that surround you is probably one of the most critical decisions you will always continuously make in your life. Whether that's a partner that you're romantically involved with or married to, business associate, really good friend that you had a really good conversation, now y'all hanging out. All of that is important. You see, if you've been paying attention to the History of Being Black podcast, I've told this story when I was younger of me and DL before. We go somewhere, DL has a suggestion, I went with him, and then bam, next thing you know, I'm in a situation. Two black eyes sitting at home with an ice pack. And yeah, you're hearing that. And you're probably going to say, well, there's nothing that I can do that's going to cause it to that extreme. You know, I'm pretty fine. There's nothing that I can do that's going to get me caught up. And I ain't going to no projects. But see, I tell that story because as innocent as it was, me chilling on the porch, doing nothing. As plain as it was, as boring as it may appear. That split decision got me of something that I almost couldn't get my ass up out of. It's real talk. Like, I almost could not get myself up out of. I tell you to another time where I was in middle school 
And we used to hang out at the middle school because, listen, I was a latchkey kid. My mom was someone who worked all the time. She dropped me off and I would get at school before the teachers and I would leave school until after the teachers. So hanging out at the middle school is something that we all do and I had time. One day, me, my friends, they were all bored. It's me, my man, DL, and a couple other friends. And we're walking around the neighborhood, right over there on Living Noise in Detroit, if you know what I'm talking about, not too far from Davidson. And we're just hanging out. We go inside this liquor store and there's a video game in there. So we see this little kid playing. We see this guy. He's about our age playing a video game. So, you know, normally, like most people, you wait your turn. DL and my other man get together and they start plotting. And I'm not looking at them like, what is y'all plotting for? They all pull me to the side. They like, yo, we about to jump this dude. And I'm like, for what? They're like, we just about to do it. And I'm like, for what? Nigga, what? We got this other kid with his name, Mikey. Mikey starts crying. Man, they about to jump him, man. That ain't fair, man. They about to jump him, man. What's wrong with them, man? What's wrong with them? They's like, man, take his crybaby ass home. Take him back to the school. So I'm like, all right. So I'm taking him back. And I'm like, man, y'all sure y'all want to do this? They're like, go on, nigga. I'm like, all right. Next thing I know, I hear, bam. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. Me and Mikey turn around, and the dude is holding his eye. DL got his guard up, ready for the dude to want to do something. My other man, he got his guard up. They ready for him to do something. And then they just hit him in the rib cage. Bam. Dude takes off running. We walk back towards him. We're like, yo, what was that? They're like, yeah, we got him. We thought that nigga was going to do something, but he didn't. I'm like, yo, son, that was stupid. Now, DL lived not too far from the middle school that we was at. So we always sometimes used to go to his house and sometimes his mom would have food. And to be honest with you, DL and them didn't mind stealing his father's weed. We go back to the house and usually I kick it there. But something tells me, keep going. They're like, you ain't gonna come inside? I'm like, nah. I'm like, all right. So I kept going. I go back up to school, and this time I'm just waiting on my mom because that's all I got to do. Maybe about 15 minutes later, remember little Mikey the crybaby? He runs up to the door. Boom. Man, you lucky. I'm like, what? He like, yo, after you left, that dude went and got his father. And his father just got out. So he was big as hell like Zeus, like the Debo from Friday. And he came up there holding a long-ass gun. I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah. And they were all outside. I'm like, so what happened? He was like, he was going to shoot us. But D.L.'s mother came out to talk to him. And she swore to, she, 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 she calmed the situation down. So you know what I mean? She told us all to go home. I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah. And I think about that because in one choice I made where I decided to keep going, I ended up avoiding a whole lot of mess. Somewhat, you can say. In the other one later on, because of loyalty and who I was, I got down in the situation and almost got a gun put on me or was in the projects or whatever you might want to say. It was a whole debacle of a bunch of BS. And the reason why I tell those two stories is the reason why I'm telling you today as we, as we move forward in this year is that it might be a new you 
But it doesn't mean nothing if you're still going to do the same old dumb shit. See, one story I told you I was 19, the other one I told you I was 13. And in both of those decisions that I made, the one thing that didn't change was that I used to keep thinking that I got out of a bad situation. But the one thing that didn't change was the friend that was around me. See, it doesn't matter if you're making the small decisions, if you're not making the right decisions. Sometimes that right decision is right there in your face. And sometimes the people that you're rolling with, the ones that you think is your friends, the ones you're thinking really got your best interest, they are not your friends. They're not. They're for the chaos. The misery loves company thing is really real. You see, my man, God bless him, DL, there's so many things I can kind of tell you, but him and a couple of the people I was around, they really didn't have my best interests. There were so many things that I got into just based upon the fact that I was standing next to somebody. There were so many times or opportunities that I didn't get just because I was hanging out with somebody else way too late. And I even learned that when I went off to Howard and moved out to D.C., that I had to learn really quickly about who had my best interest in mind. Because I didn't know anybody. And I have a tendency to be way too loyal. I mean, if you've done something for me, I will hold that loyalty to the end of days. I will be your friend, okay? You can damn near tell me to go left. And if going left made me some money, then guess what? You got a right hand for the rest of your life. And I forget that sometimes that blessing was just what it was. It was just that blessing for that moment. But I don't think about it that way. I think about, yo, you did something nice for me. I got you. I'm willing to go all out for you. It took me a long time to get up out of that. But here's the thing about that, the the smooth part about life. If you continue to grow and you actually continue to learn some lessons and not necessarily think that one lesson that you learned was the only lesson that you had to learn. See, you may not become perfect, but a certain level of discernment will help you be able to see exactly at least earlier you can catch who is really your friend or when that friendship has expired. Because see, the phrase, everybody can't go with you, is a real phrase. Now, I want to be clear about something. I've said before in podcast episodes before about the value of checking in with friends, and I solely believe that. So the whole everybody can't go with you, that doesn't apply to the people who are in your life and they just going through struggles, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, or whether it's financial. No. I'm a firm believer in each one, teach one, and all of us help each other get across the finish line. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm on the other side. I'm talking about those that may or may not have been your friend, those that were your friend when you met them at a certain place in your life, and yet they still want to keep you in that place in your life. I used to bartend. Bartending is how I got myself through college. Me and my cousin, we went to bartending school during spring break. Because we both knew that we wasn't going back to where we from because he was from Flint and I was from Detroit and we wasn't going to go back out to college. And it was didn't want to gamble whether or not my major was going to get me something that was going to be able to survive out here. So I had to do something. So I became a bartender. And let me tell you, the bartender life, like the life of a bartender is a life. Okay, yeah, the money is quick. The money is fast and it can solve your quick instant problems. But there are a lot of things that come with that. I don't know, people stealing. I don't know, people doing coke. I don't know, bar fights. I don't know, people getting way too drunk. 
I don't know, people doing coke. Did I mention the coke? There's a lot of coke, okay? <laughs> Just a lot of it. And I was living like Goodwill Hunting in the movie where I may be somebody who had all this potential, but I was hanging with individuals, with people of a certain type of class because I never wanted to make nobody feel like I was better than them. So when the bartenders and the waitresses and everybody get off and the money that they just earn and all they're going to do is go to an after-hour spot to spend that same money, I would go with them. I had a job in the mailroom. And at this point in my life, I had graduated from Howard. And I was working part-time at the radio station, but the money wasn't quick enough, so I'm still bartending. But I had no connections. I really wasn't talking to nobody that I had graduated from because... Lo and behold, nobody told me that after graduation, everybody goes back home or move away. Because I'm first family come out of college, I had no idea, none whatsoever. So now I'm out here by myself and I'm hanging amongst people who, I don't know, the highlight of the day is how much tequila shots they can have. Now, that's fine if, you, if that's for you. But technically, I'm out here doing something that I could have did all the way back home. But I didn't understand that. Then one day, when I had one of these temp jobs and I was working in the mailroom and there was this guy who was always mean to me. And I'm like, yo, why are you always mean to me? He looked at me and he said, because you ain't supposed to be here. Now, there were so many things that you can take from that. But what I ended up understanding was he knew that I went to Howard and he, in his mind, he felt that I should not be there. I was wasting my time. And like the movie Good Will Hunting, when Ben Affleck has a conversation with Matt Damon, he says to him, Yo, you think you're doing us a favor by being here with us? It's kind of like that. Sometimes if you're put in a position to win and you don't take advantage of it, you're doing a disservice to yourself and the people that surround you. But see, I didn't know that, right? As casual and cool as I was, I was so down on myself back when I was 19 because in that moment, what was going on with me in life, I didn't really have anything going on. And yeah, a friend casually asked me that I want to take a drive. And yeah, this is what people do when you're young. You take drives and you hang out with your friends. But the thing is, is that up until that point, this particular friend had shown me in so many different ways that they was not my friend. They had always put me in scenarios that they had to explain after the BS would happen. And here I am, fast forward, just a few years later, and I'm out here in the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and I'm behaving the same way. I had not learned the lesson that was needed for me to learn. Here it is right here. Yeah, I had gradually moved a little bit, but eventually I went right back down to the bottom of the barrel, hanging with people who don't do nothing but suck the life out of you. That's it. And I was living almost like you can say an animal that's just in the corner and just running around in the alley, but you really do got a home to go to. You really got goals you should be trying to accomplish. And I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't. And when that dude looked at me, he said, you ain't supposed to fucking be here. It sent the shock through me. Any other time when somebody talked to me like that, I'd be ready for it. What you mean? You don't know my life. I'm ready to tell you all these things. You don't know the hurdles I had to go through. You don't know what it took for me to be here. But in that moment, in that moment right there, it was almost like that line, you ain't supposed to fucking be here, represented everything. It shocked me. It re opened me. It woke me back up to my purpose. And I realized that I was regressing. I realized that I was running around in the circle being busy, but I wasn't moving. I wasn't going up because upward mobility is tougher. 
It's harder to go up. It's easy to go in circles. We all can be busy. All of us. And I say that to you because as you go into this new year, because if you think about it, we are in the 20s of the 2000s. Once upon a time, we thought that we were going to be in flying cars, but we are well in the 2000s right now. The Roaring 20s Part 2. Shout out to my homegirl, Star Rock. That's where we are right now. And if you want to do anything, and I can't tell you exactly what that future is going to look like, but the one thing I can promise you is that your future will look like your past if you stay there. It will. You will keep getting lessons until you learn them. Until you graduate. It don't matter how far off the year is going to be. It don't matter how wild and crazy the event is going to be. You will never advance to see your purest potential if you will not learn the lesson that is right in front of you. And for someone like myself, if you are like me, that is a very valuable thing to understand because I'm someone that sometimes misses what's right in front of me. I can see far down the street. I can see the street sign 10 miles away and I can tell you make a left turn. My foresight and my probability, sometimes I think way too much, but what's right in front of me, I miss. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels that way. I'm sure you got times in your life where you miss what's right in front of you. So you can write the longest caption, the longest blog, the longest essay. You can tweet the biggest, best thread that can go viral. But if you're still going to carry with you everything that just happened in this past year and to what we're going into right now, I mean, you haven't learned a damn thing. It is still 2022 to you. And yes, I used to be somebody, when I hear the new me thing, I used to frown upon it because technically I'm still here. I still weigh the same. Nothing happened between December and January of a significant change physically. But I can take the steps of going forward of transforming my life into something that represents my potential. Because going forward is scary. It is. Few of us really want to admit it, but going forward is scary. It is comfortable to stay behind. It is comfortable to stay with those friends whom we love, whom love us. It is very comfortable to remain at that job. It gives you security because nobody wants to live broke. Take it from somebody who's done it multiple times. It's not cool. And it is very comfortable. Security and comfort is a real thing. You rather deal with the quote, what? The devil you know. You're still in that relationship dealing with the BS because it's the devil you know. Not understanding the amount of energy that is taken from you exhausting you and is going to leave you with the inability to really accept anything that can be positive that can come into your life. You see, there were signs all around me. I'd be a liar to say I didn't see it. I mean, let's take it, right? Was it when I saw that giant-sized rat when we pulled up into a whole neighborhood that I had no idea what was there? The baby in the diaper walking around, the cigarettes, the malt liquor, the two guys, the people coming in and out the house. What more did I need? What more did I really need? 
Why did I go back when they punched that young kid at the store? See, I'm bringing up the childhood memories because it's the inner child in us that still make those decisions, even in our adult bodies. Why are you still calling that dude? You know it's not worth it. Why are you still messing with her? You know it's not worth it. Why are you picking up they call? You know they're not talking about nothing. Because the draining can come from all aspects of your life. It can come from individuals always calling you and just want to vent and 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 vent, which is fine when it comes to being there for a friend. But if you get to your limit, you might want to let them know it's time for them to seek help. You might want to help point them in a direction. Or the friend that always just want to casually just spend money all the time when you know you're trying to save. But every time y'all go out, you got to go out to eat. You know you cooked. Choosing your friends is the most significant tool you would ever need as you move forward in this game of life. And I'm not here to try to pretend like I'm telling you something that you don't already know. I'm here to remind you because I know you got more sense than that. I know that you probably got more sense than me. I know that you probably learned lessons quicker than I have. I'm here to remind you because sometimes we all fall short. Sometimes we all forget. And all of us, all of us at times can fall right back to a very comfortable spot and not move. And when you fall into that comfortable spot, it can bring damage to you that you may not necessarily see in that moment because you're too busy doing good. You're too busy being okay. You're getting the money, you're living a life, and everything is fine. But was this your plan? Was this what you said out loud that you really wanted to do? Was this the business that you really want to start? Was this the job that you really want to work at? Was this the relationship that you had promised yourself you was no longer going to accept? But it's hard to see that. See, you'll get fed everything that's good, everything that you like, that tastes sweet, that's nice. You ain't attracting no bees with no A1 sauce. Unless there's some greedy ass bees, they say you attract the bees with honey. You can eat a lot of honey if you're not paying attention. And when you're paying attention to those people that's in your life, when you look around and you ask yourself who really got you and who's really in your corner, those are the thoughts I want you to understand. And I want you to understand that even with the people that you follow online, if there's anything that we should leave in 2022, it's stop giving some of these individuals who have a microphone and is in front of your face on live, stop giving them so much life without asking, yo, who are you? What is it that you do? Rest in peace to Kevin Samuels, but who was he? The other guy that cheated on his wife with the cap. I can't remember his name right now, but who are you? Who are these people that you're so taking in their advice? And listen, I'm all about entertainment. We can't be serious all the time. Me and my man CW was talking the other day. I call it chewing gum. The things that you kind of chew on in between time. There's nothing wrong with that. But just like chewing gum, you can't chew on it all day and all night. Because it'll do what? It'll F up your teeth. I mean, this ain't no deep metaphor I'm trying to give you. There's nothing like, ooh, a detective has to solve in what I'm saying to you. 
I'm saying to you something that's really real because I want all of us to do best. See, the thing about when it comes in the history of being black, loyalty is a big thing for us. It is. If you think about what happened with Deion Sanders and Jackson State University, and you think about some of the people that were upset about his move, number one, you ain't been paying attention to Deion Sanders for the past 30-something years because Deion has always moved in the best interest of Deion, respectfully. But part of the uproar is that we have a tendency to attach everything from an emotional level. And we want to ride into the end. We as men do that when we feel like the women in our lives are supposed to just keep taking shit from us. And when they leave, we want some disloyal. Some of my sisters out there have done it when it comes to the men and felt that they've been too loyal. So therefore, the next guy that comes along, they're not going to be loyal to them at all. So this guy got to suffer for the last whatever gentleman that was in your life. It's a real thing out there about choosing what it is. And a quote that I heard today is that you can't bleed on people who didn't cut you. So look, you're going into this new year, right? I know you got plans. And listen, make plans. I used to be somebody who didn't do no yearly goals and all of that. But I came to understand that that was because of I was afraid. I was afraid that I actually was going to write something down. that I was going to have to be accountable. And then I was going to be shameful. But you know what, though? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing the goals. I'm manifesting. I'm doing the vision board and all of those things. And I don't give a damn if I fail anymore. Because what I can tell you is that the circle that's around me is a very beautiful circle. The people who I call friend are my family. Like, I love them. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for any of them. I mean, I tell you right now to this day, I mean, there's been some times I've wanted to check out. And if it wasn't for a friend checking in, I'll be out of here. And there's anything I give myself credit for was being able to say, yo, this is a beautiful friend. This is a beautiful lady in my life. Man, my mother's amazing. Man, my family is great. Even in the darkest of times. And the times where I was at a moment of real loneliness for myself, speaking solely for myself, one of the issues was whoever was in my life was not meant to be there. I had been dragging him along. And listen, as I'm telling you this, I'm not telling you as someone who has mastered it as an art. I'm telling you as somebody who still struggles with it. Listen, I'd have been almost around the world and back. I tell you all the time how much I love my city. But there are some people who I came up with, I struggle to maintain a relationship with them because I don't know where my life is supposed to be with them. I don't know if we're supposed to be in existing in each other's life. And I used to have a theory that some people are just grandfathered in. And it's true to a certain extent that you give certain people a lot more grace than you give others. But man, if it's not healthy for you, it's just not healthy for you. If people can't understand your language, if they don't understand your growth and they still want to keep you where they knew you, that's not good. It's just not. And listen, maybe it will make you disloyal. I'm going to tell you the truth. 
Some people are going to tell you it's not, but maybe it is going to make you disloyal. But listen, that's life. Some bonds have to be broken. What I can encourage you to do is what my therapist always encouraged me to do is that pour that love and that loyalty more to yourself. Invest it more into yourself so you can see the potential where you need to go and you can try to at least touch your goals. Because I'll be the first to tell you I'm all about or die trying. I'm all about it. And I want you to be about it also, too. I want you to understand that it's there for you. I don't know if it'll be for you in 2023, but at least allow 2023 to be the benchmark of when it started for you, because it's never too late to stand up for yourself. Understand that a healthy circle is one that has truth tellers, encouragement, and people that push you forward, even in a direction that you don't want to go. I've had friends damn near put opportunities in my lap that I didn't want because I wanted to stay safe. I didn't want to hear what they had to say. But I've learned to get past that. And I've learned to accept and understand that, yo, that was actually a real friend. And if you're offended by what I have to say and it's triggering or something like that, I get it. Listen, I get it. I totally do. And maybe I just come from a perspective where I just understand that time is very limited. I wasn't fortunate enough to understand people in my life who live very long. Most of the people that I loved in my life left at a very early age or they left before I got here. Rest in peace to my grandfather, Robert L. Hodges. So for me, I've always looked at time as a very short thing. And it always worked It worked against me at times, hence why sometimes I can be a little impulsive. And I'm trying to work on that also, too. But you really don't have time. And I know we keep saying that. And I'm going to keep saying this until you get it. You don't have the time that you think you have. You don't. You really don't. And if your time was to be in right now, if you had a choice of achieving your goals, working on your goals, or never starting at all, which ones would you choose? It's not about failing. It's not. And it doesn't make you an evil or a devil of a person to go forward. And I get it can be scary. And I know sometimes we all feel like we're alone. And we feel like there's nobody who's going to look after us for us. So we got to do things to keep the lights on. And I speak to you because I've been there. I'm there now and I understand that. But what I'm saying to you is that I don't care if it's for two or three minutes. Take time to assess what's in your life and take that risk of moving forward. And listen, here's the thing. Give those friends an opportunity because if you're moving forward and they're willing to move with you, then damn it, take them with you. But if they own some like, Yo, let's stop here real quick. Let's go back to this McDonald's real quick. While you trying to lose weight or get your cholesterol down, you're going to have to reevaluate some things. And I understand that the years that you've had with them have been a lot. And I understand that they was there with you through some hard times. But that was then. And just like you can't do nothing about the negative that happened in your life, there's nothing else you can do about the good that happened in your life. It was in the past. So try to understand that. Try to take that for what it is. Try to move with that. 
And if there's anything I can offer you out of everything I just said is one, don't go chilling in the projects. Two, love and invest in yourself. And three, see number one again. I'm pretty sure my blackness has been elevated. I know your blackness has been elevated. I can feel it through this microphone. As usual, you can hit me up on all social media platforms at J Hall Society. Make sure you're checking out the History of Being Black episodes on all of the platforms where the podcasts are. I try to name them all. I get a little stuck. Spotify, Apple, um, O-N-M-Y. Um, it's a lot of them, okay? But most importantly, make sure you go to our IG page and you can check the link in the bio and you can see where you can download new episodes. And be sure to listen to the past episodes also as well. You know, we upload every week for you. So make sure you share and enjoy. As usual, I'm Jay Hall. Be blessed and successful. I'll talk to you soon. The History of Being Black is hosted by Jay Hall. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. Find the History of Being Black podcast on IG at The History of Being Black. Follow the Mean O-Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean O-Line Media. Get the Mean O-Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The History of Being Black podcast is a Mean O-Line Media production.